Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. I am <laughs> on occasions, on occasions, on occasions. I am asked to come speak at some sort of gathering. Sometimes it's church. Sometimes it's just a small group. Sometimes the entire congregation. Sometimes it's at an Italian restaurant in Ashland, Kentucky, as it was last night. I have to confess, when I'm asked to come out and do these small gatherings or even the church services, and I, I don't know that I say this proudly, uh, sort of like the Apostle Paul, lest I become boastful. Uh, I do preach. <laughs> I just don't know if I do it well, if I do it good. And the same thing with uh, such as the event was last night. And uh, what was it about? It was a dinner. How many were there? Maybe 35, 40. It sort of impressed me the size. I thought to get 35, 40 people out on a Saturday night uh, to hear somebody speak about relationships, <laughs> about marriage, uh, is probably quite an accomplishment in and of itself. And usually if that's happening, then you've got a pretty dynamic church. You've got a pastor and <laughs> a ministry that is vital and alive and people are finding something <laughs> good about it or from it good about attending and participating and get something good from it so so when i walk into that situation i'm already a little nervous and i'm thinking there's 40 people here this is a pretty sizable crew and i'm thinking to myself can i really do this is this going to work out well there's a bit of a backstory as well to it uh, it's been maybe 35, 40 years ago, I was at one time also the general manager of a local Christian television station, uh, WTSF over in Ashland, and there was this really, really great small church that invited me to come out and speak, and it was, again, directed toward marriage and relationships in general. But it was a Valentine's Day <laughs> gathering, as was this that happened, the event that happened last night. And uh, for those of you who may be listening to this podcast sometime in the middle of summer, I apologize, but that's relevant. But when I went out 30, 40 years ago, some of that was because I was a general manager at a television station. And I don't want to say that there's politics in even those kind of situations. So sometimes it is. People, politics, that's friends, friendships. And so the politics side of it is, because I was a general manager, I don't know that they were wanting to get in my good graces, but they'd heard me. I was also had, there was a, a daily program that we locally produced where we'd invite guests such as pastors on. And I was a host of that program. It's called Celebration, for those of you who may or may not remember that. And uh, with that, we'd invite pastors on. And so 
the political side of it was, the social side of it was, the friendship side of it was, this was a great opportunity to invite a general manager of a local television station so you could get more, probably, exposure for your church. And uh, I don't know that that's bad and that was okay with us. We enjoyed having pastors on and it was more of a community sort of proposition than it was any sort of denominationally directed venture. Uh, this television station in, in the format of the program, uh, the daily program, talk show. So I thought, this is great. I'll come out. And that in and of itself is, again, a little bit of where my anxiety comes from because I'm not sure if they want to hear me preach, which I've already confessed. I don't know that I do a great job of that. Or they want to just hear me talk about clinical things because that's also, I'm bivocational. That's also one of those things I hold license in, not only as a minister, ordained minister, but I'm also a licensed professional clinical counselor. And though I don't think there's a problem with those two worlds coming together, others sometimes have difficulty with that. But when a church or a church group or some church-affiliated group invites me to come out and speak, I'm thinking, do they really want me to talk about clinical things? Do they want to talk about more of the humanistic stuff, my psychology, the training that I have, all those great things about love languages and relationships and how do you do that better and really what's what's behind the curtain of marital counseling and you know people are always interested in in finding out about others i hope for the sake of maybe better understanding themselves sometimes they're just nosy but there's always a curiosity that goes along with that what's it really like and what do people really say and then what do you really say especially those who've never actually engaged in uh, that aspect of counseling, psychological counseling, or where they really want me to just come out and preach. (laughs) And of course, for me, the preaching is always first and foremost on my mind. I want to tell people about Jesus. I I do think the Bible holds all of the answers that we need. I I think self-help books and groups are important. But if you don't have a changed heart, if you don't have a converted heart, if you don't have a relationship with Christ Jesus, if you really don't appreciate the understand or understand the operation of the Holy Spirit and how to give that, your life that is, that proposition, in this case, Valentine's Day, relationships and marriages, if you don't know how to give that to the Holy Spirit, I don't really think it matters what somebody else tries to teach you. I think love languages are great. I think all of those self-help books are just that, helpful. But as I approached that meeting last night, I thought to myself, do they want me to tell them that? And then that gets back to 40 years ago at the small church. I made the mistake. I miscalculated they didn't want me to come in and remind them of Jesus in that way. They weren't hostile toward that. They were a church. But they were wanting to have some fun and they were wanting to do some fun things. And, you know, I thought to myself after it was over with, I think the message was okay in the sense that of my deliverance of it. And I believe it was on my heart. So I don't know that I failed in that sort of way to preach it properly. And it wasn't a failed message in the sense that it was all about Jesus, but that's not really what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear about this and that and 
all those material things and how to make these corrections and you know, and I'm all for that. Communication is important. Uh, love languages are important. Uh, there's a human apparatus. <laughs> it's the human body, including the psychological constructs of ego and identity and who we are and all of those things that go into modification, Old Testament sort of things. How do you make adjustments in your life? How do you kind of test things? And if you do them wrong, how do you receive the feedback? And no place is it more critical than in a marriage where you're getting constant feedback, at least opportunity for feedback on how to do it better. And if that's the case too, then probably in a marriage, there's no situation that's more revealing That other person you're married to knows everything about you. Only God and you would know more about you. And thank God, only God really knows the true intents of your heart. But if there's someone second to that, it would be your spouse, male or female. So when I went out to 40 years ago, I told him the truth. I said... If you want a successful marriage, it's going to be contingent or based upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're not good in your relationship with Jesus, if you're not good at taking feedback from Jesus, if you're not good, or at least the Holy Spirit, as he might convict you and then Jesus might help you to receive it and adapt, take it as positive, help you through the receiving of that, Give you a chance to kind of lean on him while you're trying to make those adjustments or against him or as he is living word, be able to show you how to do that gracefully with thanksgiving, with anointing. And should you be angry, and I do believe there's a time that anger is appropriate, you don't become enraged. You don't get to place of such anger that you want to harm somebody else or even yourself. If you've gone that far, then definitely don't divorce, but take a break and go talk to somebody. Talk to Jesus and talk to your psychological counselor. Either way, they're going to help you at that rudimentary level. Because you're not really allowing the Holy Spirit, if you're there, if you're that upset, if you're that mad, If you want somebody to judge you like Solomon did, the people, and in that looking for that righteousness that goes in front of the indignation or the anger part. So somebody can look at you and say, yes, you're right. It's the other person's fault entirely. Then definitely go seek psychological counseling because even they, hopefully, with ethics as they are and the attempt to be as noble virtuous in professional terms as we're supposed to be those that do what I do in a professional clinical context we're going to help you but that's not going to save your marriage any more than that's going to save you (laughs) you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ if you aren't able to take that feedback from God (laughs) if you're not applying his word daily if you're not hoping and believing that it's going to translate in some way to living word testimony (laughs) and if you can't redeem your wife or your husband in a marital circumstance 
then you need to start looking at yourself. And that's what I'm always nervous about. How do they want to receive that? I would think in a church group they'd want to receive that, where they would be more open to receiving that within more biblical context. So, you know, deliver that, you preach that, you minister that. It's not hostile, it's not condemning, it's no different than what I'm doing right now on the podcast. But is that what they want? Do they want to receive it? Do they want to accept it? And certainly they're all individuals. Everyone that goes to those kind of things 40 years ago or even last night, all individuals in different places in the relationship with Jesus. But the one thing we all had in common 40 years ago as well as last night is that in our relationship with Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And he's already at work within us, bringing us to the fruition, the bearing of fruit of the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But if that's not coming out of you and your marital relationship, then you have to question either, is it in you? And I don't know that, that that's even much of a question. If you've accepted Jesus, it obviously is. I believe it's in you even if you don't accept Jesus Christ. You're just lost and not going to allow him reign, full persuasion, full influence, as with then giving your life not only to Jesus, but all of his gospel, which always comes back to God, even the Old Testament. And with that, then the operation of the Holy Spirit. But if you're not going to do that in that way, the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's going to show itself in your marital failings. It's going to show itself in your incapacity, incapability of resisting the temptation to want to That's a psychological construct. It's a thought thing. Defend yourself when you feel the other person is out to kill you or destroy you. Now, they're not going to really be out to kill you or destroy you. I understand that's an extreme statement, hopefully. There's probably a few out there cases, individuals, that are so lost and have fallen into such the awful place, soul-wise, depravity have been hurt so badly, they're going to crucify Christ. And they're going to crucify you. And that really was, for Jesus, murder. And I suppose that I need to be cautionary in acknowledging there are individuals like that out there. But I also want to remind you, whether you're male or female, you're not expected to die for that person in that way. Jesus has. And don't. Please, please, please don't stay in a situation or construe anything I'm saying to incline you to stay in a situation that's dangerous. There is nothing to be gained from that. Those individuals need help. Maybe it's mental help, emotional help, psychological help. Maybe they just need somebody to tell them what to do and the best place for that to happen in that total, complete control sort of way so they don't harm themselves or others is to put them in a hospital or put them in a jail. I don't say that callously. That's just turned over to reprobate mind. That's the way that that works. But at the same time, the great hope would be that that's not the individual that you are with. And in that, if there is any hope... It's based upon a faith dimension 
that if it's not showing itself in your relationship, the first thing you need to do is take a look at yourself. (laughs) Am I really giving Jesus control of my life? And in that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, am I really allowing the Holy Spirit to do those things that Jesus told me he would do? He would comfort me when I am really upset and feeling like that other person is wanting to harm me. Maybe, again, not kill me, but it's called ego death. That's what we call it today. It's dying to self. The Bible references it that way. So it's one and the same. But when you're asked, asked to lay down your life for another, and that's really what happens when you accept Jesus. You lay down your psychological self, not your soul, not the divine, not that thing, that element, I should say it that way, more than things. That's more than a thing. That element of who we are that Jesus comes to redeem, to save. But his redemption of you in that way is what should manifest itself in the marriage, marital context, the marital relationship. And you don't have to be married. I mean, if you're dating, it's the same application. It could be applied in the same way. But if it's not manifesting itself in that way, it's probably... It has to be. It has to start with you. You may have to redefine the relationship. You may have to say, well, it's not quite the way that I ideally, aspirationally want it to be. Like, Jesus is married to the church. That's the Bible depicts it. One day, he'll come back for his bride. And we know so much of our salvation. And again, redemption is cast within that model or allegory of marriage but it's not just an allegory it is genuinely a model that's your practice (laughs) if you're going to fulfill the two great commandments to love God with all your heart mind soul and spirit and then complete that in loving others as you love yourself it's going to be with your spouse (laughs) again they know all your stuff They know all the good stuff, and they know all the bad stuff. And if you're going to then really claim Christ, (laughs) it's not meaning that if you have marital problems that you're lost or that you're not growing. It just means just that. You're developing. You're being sanctified. You're being strengthened and fortified. You're learning even more how to lean upon Jesus, not only individually, but in context of saving this other person or at least not harming this other person, detracting from this other person in the most intimate of ways. But it's also fulfilling, once more, the great commandments of God. If you can't do that with your spouse, you really aren't doing it the right way with the rest of the world. Now, I'm glad that you're not going out and harming the world, and I'm glad you can minister the gospel, and I'm glad you can love others. But the dirty little secret, from a clinical standpoint, is you marry people who are just like you. Or all of those things that you grew up in, what you were exposed to, what you took on, what identity you assumed or was given, and then as you even took it over that you are now working from, 
it's going to be somewhat compatible with that other person where you're not going to be attracted to them. That's just the way it works. So in that way, even loving that other person is like loving yourself. And maybe that's, in a biblical context, the most elegant expression of that. If you can really fulfill the two great commandments, and especially in your marriage, you are really not only giving love to another, but most elegantly, in giving it to another, you're giving it to yourself. But you're not doing it with selfish intentions and motives. Example being, that's why I married you. You're supposed to love me. You're supposed to take care of me. You're supposed to do all this. And that's not wrong. Again, the Bible gives us really clear direction on what we should be and as husbands and wives and how that reunion, that communion, that relationship should work. But it doesn't work because you're wanting somebody to judge the other or to tell the other to change and do it. It works because you own it. It works because you recognize it has to begin with you. If it begins with you, then and Jesus is there. And you do that the right way, then you are going to allow, not only yourself, give permission once again to the Holy Spirit to use you as a vessel of loving that other person. Adam needed Eve and I'm going to kind of extend that and then say that Eve needed Adam. But as much you love that other person, you're going to really allow Jesus to love that other person. It's not out of yourself. You're not going to succeed out of yourself because nothing absent Jesus, or if you should try to do that without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, it's not going to work. Dying to ego, to self, which marriage does, is the greatest, I guess, human exercise. All of us probably would be good to go through if it meant that we would go through it properly. But if you don't go through it in a marital context, you still have to go through it in Jesus. But if you've gone through it in Jesus, then... That should not be so tedious. I know the Apostle Paul speaks to the better thing to not be married so that you can certainly devote your entirety of your life to Jesus. But, you know, the Apostle Paul was married. He just wasn't married to a person. He was married to the church and all of those things that we see as element of his struggles, especially with well, I'm not going to say, especially with the Gentiles. Gentiles at times were easier than the Hebrew people. But God is described, biblically so, in word, as being married to his people. It, it's not easy being married. You can't escape it. But marriage is the most immediate, tangible representation of all of that. Personal salvation but also loving others. It is the fulfillment of the two great commandments. And it may be the answer to the fall. God gave Eve to Adam. And once Eve came on the picture, Adam was there for Eve, as with the beginning of the Bible. And Jesus will, at the end of the Bible, come back to claim his church. It's all about marriage, folks. But if we're not doing it 
even as Christians, the right way, then we're failing. Just as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I don't want to fail in deliverance of the word, but more than that, I don't want to fail in the living aspect of the word. (laughs) They didn't want to hear that 40 years ago. And fortunately, last night, they were much more receptive. (laughs) Maybe I was just 40 years later, a little bit better, able to fine-tune it. Maybe my deliverance is a bit better. Maybe I can go in and out of the clinical and the pastoral sort of dimensions. The preaching dimensions, pastoral-type relationship. I always lead with the Holy Spirit. Again, I always want to tell people about Jesus. I'll never go anywhere without doing that. But at the same time, I feel comfortable bringing in all these tools, all these psychological constructs, all these sort of strategies and more humanistic terms and communication, love language, all those things, actions, assertiveness, don't be passive, don't be passive aggressive, those communication models, be proactive, be empirically sound, sit down and problem solve together, set up a time to talk in the morning, set up a time to talk in the evening, continue talking all the time. Don't allow the sun to go down your anger. Don't hold or bottle up anger. Don't become embittered. I mean, those are all things that we know. I know we know them. It's okay to remind people. But the thing that I think we sometimes do is hide behind those things and don't want to hear the true message. It's not about any of those things, especially if you know them. It's about applying them. But the only way you're going to apply them is if you have the compassion of Christ alive in you. If you have the Holy Spirit alive in you. If you understand grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you've applied it in individual personalized terms to you. Then freely you've received. Now freely give. But if you can't give to that person. That you say when you take those vows. When you are engaged. And you make that. Give them an engagement ring promise ring when you go then before the community and you make that declaration of I do's you say those promises if you're not willing to fulfill that in whatever regard you can to not break the promise it's because you're not operating out of the Holy Spirit 40 years ago that was not really what they wanted to receive. They weren't hostile toward me. They just didn't expect it, I think. And I could sense I was getting on their nerves. But this last night, I believe, understood it better and were more receptive and open to it. And I could tell they had the good foundation for their faith. I also reminded them, you know, Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. But that all comes out of your foundation, I didn't read the 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to on the podcast today. Just because there may be somebody out there who's never heard it. Unlikely. But if you've heard it, there may be those out there that have forgotten what this is all then coming back to. This is foundational stuff. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love... I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffers long, suffereth long, and is kind. Love envieth not, love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Love never fails. But where there be prophecies... They shall fail. Whether there be tongues or where there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Obviously. Moving. Obviously, the Apostle Paul captured love. Put it into words, communicated it, or for the sake of communicating it, allows it to be something to certainly appeal to the head, but it's got an appeal to the heart. That would be the anointing. That would be love. But to really apply it, you have to know it. But to know it, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. And it's not wrong for Jesus to tell you you can do better. It's not wrong for Jesus to help you do better. It's not wrong for Jesus to convict you to do better. This is what it's all about. I'm not offended in that way by the convictions. I'm not offended by the emotions that are attached to it. I'm not offended by the inspiration that it brings to me because it is God. 
It is instructional. And for those of you who do not know Jesus, should there be any out there that's listening right now, you may or may not be moved by this. But you've got to be moved by the testimony of this. (laughs) You can't ever walk away from love without it affecting you. Even if you should try to harden such in such hardness of your heart. Continue to harden such your heart to not feel. You cannot avoid the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who is alive working within you to bear fruit. God is love. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is love. The Apostle Paul is testifying to one's relationship with Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit and the power to overcome all of these difficulties that we've been speaking to of marriage is in that one thing. (laughs) But it's not a small thing. It's huge. We serve one God a living God who gives us in spiritual dimensions his very love, the Holy Spirit, to speak words of affirmation, to out of our bellies allow the rivers of living water to flow. But when you're in that position that you're feeling upset and so hurt, that you are in fight or flight mode or you're getting so angry or afraid and it's coming out on the person that loves you the most you need to go ahead and let the Holy Spirit take over if that's conviction don't harden your heart to the day of provocation or in the day of provocation the provoking isn't to destroy the provoking is to break you Which some might see as destruction, but it's what we've been saying in the podcast. It's just dying to self and allowing Jesus to live within you. (laughs) But there's nothing like doing that together in a consummate way with the person that you told you were going to do that with. When you made the promise on your wedding day, don't break it. You break. Don't break them. You give yourself to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit in that to take over. But don't kill the person that's trying to love you. It doesn't make any sense. Hopefully they're not of that small number, as I tried to capture earlier in the podcast, that would be so in apostasy, so of the devil, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. But that's really what this is all about. You're not. And if you don't know Jesus, you could get there. You're going to get there. You're not going to make it to heaven. You could not only could get there. I'm still hopeful that you'll find Jesus along the way and salvation will come to you. But if you never accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're never broken, you're not going to have that testimony. And whether you murder them with your hands, don't 
kill them and don't kill their soul. You don't want to do that. It will be blood on your hands. It's the same. Don't do that. So as you might expect, that's a difficult message. Especially on Valentine's Day. But it is the message of Christ. There's a time for fun and there's a time for Valentine's Day cards and there's a time for all those great sweet stories of 40 years ago, you know, I met my spouse, husband, wife, and we danced the night away and we love, I do at least, I think most of us still do, love romance on Hallmark Channel movies and all, but... Here we go. That's like putting lipstick on the pig. You don't want that. You'll end up just being a hypocrite. And it won't work. It'll be just that. A romance. It'll be just that. A fantasy. But I don't think that's what I'm supposed to say when I'm called out to these meetings. I know that's not what I'm supposed to say when I'm called out to deliver a sermon. I'm not going to beat people up. I don't want to do that. I don't want to condemn them. But I do want the Holy Spirit to convict them. If their life isn't bearing fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit first and foremost, and in their marriage, you need to sit down with Jesus. You need to read the Word. You need to come to Jesus. If you've never accepted him, Lord and Savior, you need to receive him. Because otherwise you don't have it in you to do it. And it will never work. And that is why we're failing at marriages. I believe the statistic is still somewhere around 60%. Maybe it's even gotten higher. And that's in the church. As with Christians. I know the Bible says... Many will claim it, many will desire it, not many are it, and not many in that before they're it will receive it. But what are they receiving? They're receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit awakened, realized in them to have the capacity to love even as Christ, even as God loves us and His only begotten Son. For whosoever shall believeth shall find, and if they claim, if they receive it, everlasting life. Now that's a good end, right? That's a positive. But it really gets to the core of everything. That's really what life is all about. And that's really what we want the podcast to be about. This type of things. And with that, I'm sure if Carolyn were here, I could speak on her behalf. That's what she wants to accomplish, is to bring that love out of you. And that's really what we set ourselves about with Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Christian Counseling Ministry. So, if you want to reach us, you can contact us at 304-528-9220. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. You can go to covenantsonline.com. And you can find us at covenants on Facebook and you can always come back to the next podcast and I sincerely mean it close to the wonderful meeting out last night great people great fellowship 
with a blessing. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have everything that God wants for you in the name of Jesus, but don't be at all surprised if it's the Holy Spirit and the love of Christ in you. Come back and join us on the next podcast. What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay.